0: It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's Andy. And, you know, we continue going through the off season and we look at all the news and, and things that are going on and all the things we get super hyped about. And sometimes we, we reach this dead patch in the offseason. Everybody's kind of like, okay, what are we going to talk about? What's going to happen? But this time, this year, feels a little bit different because you've got something that we're all kind of counting down towards. And that is... On July 1st, when many states, I think 10 or 12 at this point, maybe more than that, uh, their NIL laws, their name, image and likeness laws allowing college athletes to profit off of their name, image and likeness will go into effect. And that's something that I kind of want to talk about and address and get into, because as we record this on Sunday night, we are also anxiously awaiting some stuff that's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, which we will of course cover on uh, 11 warriors and you can check out all that uh, when that happens. But before we get into all that, I want to talk a little bit about the guy who was kind of delivering this information to us. And that is one Gene Smith. And there were, before all this was going on, before we're talking about, there's a lot of, of things swirling around Gene Smith, particularly about the possibility of him becoming the PAC 12 commissioner. And he instead decided to stay at Ohio state. Uh, in his role as athletic director and i what does that say andy about ohio state and what does that say about the back 12 because i'm curious about that
1: yeah i think it's, i think it's two, and i'm glad you phrased it that way because i think there are two different ways to look at this and both are probably a little accurate if not a lot accurate one yeah. is that he's got a good situation at ohio state right he he, he knows situation. now yeah it's a tremendously good situation not only not only the obvious things like money, facilities, brand recognition, uh, but he also knows because of what Ohio State football specifically went through over the past year with, are we going to have a season? Are we not going to have a season? And and all of those trials and tribulations, he knows he has great administration, administrative support. Uh, President Johnson clearly uh, is a supporter of Mm -hmm. athletics, having been a, college athlete herself as as we talked about with her when she was on this podcast some weeks back yep so i I think that when you're an administrator particularly one who has been in the game as long as gene smith has there's something about continuity there's something about knowing you have a a president and a university administration that has your back so to speak that is that is in it um, for the long haul you're not going to have a stanford situation where eh, we're going to get rid of a dozen sports oh wait no we're not right uh, th- th- that sort of thing <laughs> that that's, ohio state's not going to do that right like he right. knows that and when you're at that that end of your career right he's uh what is he 65 years old i think and yep he, he could retire next year if he wanted to he could require, retire 10 years from now you know but but he he doesn't have to uh uproot himself and and move across the country and so on he's got a he knows what he's got it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't he's going to make good money you know he's making real adult money he got a nice little bump with his extension and and then on you the other side of it you know what's it say about the pac-12 i, I don't think it's any big um secret that the pac-12 is kind of the odd duck of of the power five conferences that you know, it, it's got the whole time zone thing. Like, it seems like the whole TV thing is centered on the Eastern time zone. Uh, so the Pac-12 ends up playing its games at breakfast. <laughs> you know, when Oregon right. plays Ohio State, it's going to be nine in the morning, you know, there, that sort of thing. You have, you know, it's been kind of a, a train wreck in terms of its TV contracts. You, you've mm-hmm. got the big, the big Ten and the SEC, and now even the ACC making real adult money on conference-specific television networks. The Pac-12 really struggled with that. Uh, and trying to figure that out and make it work. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not to say that the Pac-12 is a rebuild, but they they need to do some things to kind of get some of that brand equity back that they had back in the day when USC was winning titles every little bit and yeah. UCLA was the undisputed king of college basketball and and so on. There's a lot of history in that conference, but it's it's just that it's history. It's like talking about Michigan football, that it's been a minute since they were super
0: relevant. Well, and that's the thing, because I, you know, and by the way, shout out to uh, Colin and Dan for talking with Gene and getting all this information, because they, I mean, really putting in, you know, some work and getting this information. They did an excellent job with that. I, I think about this stuff and I don't know, as a college football fan, as a college sports fan, I look at this and I think, okay, what is the, the hierarchy of jobs here right what 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 is you know if I got one job what's the job I want to go to that's better than that and you know for me who maybe doesn't necessarily know what the day to day is as a you know a Pac-12 commissioner I still think that if you're sitting at Ohio State in Gene Smith's position there aren't a whole lot of other jobs administratively in college sports that are better than what you have at ohio state i mean i guess you could make the argument for something like okay sec commissioner big ten commissioner something like that but the kind of respect that gene smith commands nationally Mm -hmm. the influence that he has nationally i mean he doesn't have to be a conference commissioner to really like carry a big stick when it comes to college athletics ohio state You know, you talk about Stanford, you know, potentially cutting programs and then not doing it and all that kind of stuff. Ohio State, Texas, Stanford, these are programs with massive amounts of varsity sports. Hundred literally hundreds of millions of dollars, right? That you're processing. A national brand. You can make a statement, and it becomes national news immediately. There is definitely this kind of like fuzzy area between the Ohio States, the Texass, the Stanford's of the world, and the actual conference commissioners. And I know a lot of people were like, "Okay, well, Gene Smith, you know, he wants to take it to the next level. He's at that next level." Right. I, I think when you have that job at Ohio State, your cachet in college sports is so strong that you don't really have to. You know, look at it that way. So I wasn't really particularly worried about him leaving for the back twelve because I was like, I feel like he's got a pretty good gig right now. I don't know, I don't know what they could offer him to say, hey man, you know, you're 65, let's get this thing going. I I just I don't get it. I I Um, I don't know what the pitch is.
1: Yeah, there's three reasons that you leave a job like that, right? One is if you are maybe maybe you've been in the job long enough that you're looking for a new challenge. Like that, that could be a thing, right? If you're looking at saying, hey, you know what, I've look, I've hired uh, a highly successful football coach, a highly successful basketball coach, a highly successful wrestling coach. We have won national titles in umpteen different sports. What more can I do here? Like there are some people yeah. I think who are, who are wired that way to say, okay, I've, I've, I've been to the mountaintop. I, 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 don't, I don't know what else I could do to to excel uh and and so i'm ready for a new challenge you you have uh maybe you don't like your boss that's another reason for losing or, or your coworkers. you but but most people the old saying is people don't quit jobs they quit bosses i i get the distinct impression that gene smith has a pretty great boss and and is comfortable with that so that's not a reason the third reason is money right money mm. or prestige um and there again you know i i've often thought about this with the assistant coaches you know, when we talk about football staffs in particular, that sometimes I look at a guy like Larry Johnson, for example, and I highly admire Larry Johnson because he is the absolute best in the business at his position, yeah. and and has been comfortable to stay in that position where so many coaches, you know, follow the Peter Principle and say, "Hey, you know what? I'm I'm a great uh, position coach. I'm a great coordinator. I bet I'd be." And and God love him. I think you know we all want to think we could be the best in the business at the top position, but sometimes it takes you know, a certain amount of, of introspection um, and, and wisdom to say, you know what, I'm really good at this and that's okay. I don't need to be really good at my boss's job to, to prove that I'm whatever. And so I think, you know, you might look and say, well, if you've been a really great AD, the next logical step is to be a conference commissioner. Maybe you look and say, God, that seems like more headache than it's worth. I've got enough money and I've got a pretty sweet gig here and I'm happy let's be content here instead of chasing the brass ring. Same thing, you know, when you look at uh, uh, coaches going from college to NFL, and we, we talked about this when Urban Meyer was, was, was taking his new job or mm, yeah. the, the, <laughs> yes. the graveyard of college coaches who think, Oh, you know, I'll, I'll be the guy that does it at the next level. And they almost never right. do, you know, they get Peter principled and then, and then what? So I, you know, I, I look and say, You're a guy like Gene. You're 65 years old. You know you could have another 10 years ahead of you, but you've got a great situation now. It's it's a known quantity. You're in the driver's seat as opposed to hey, I'm going to watch you walk into a new situation. No, I've got you know a lot of work to be done in, in terms of trying to get this conference back. I I to me it would be no question unless just you felt like hey, I I I need more big boy money than this. Um, I I I'm with you. I didn't see. I didn't see the pitch. I I didn't see it being something where I was real worried that Gene Smith was going somewhere else. Cause I think he, as as you, as you rightly noted, is a big non data where he is and he doesn't need to go play in a bigger yard to get more respect. He's plenty respected to where he is.
0: Right. Well, but here's the thing though. So speaking of respect, right? Okay. Kevin Warren puts out a statement. (laughs) Gene Smith puts out a statement, which one carries more weight, which one are people going to look at and go, this is the direction that, you know, whatever, whatever the statement's about, this is the direction that college sports is going to go to, right? I, I just feel that he has, if, if it's a power thing, it's a prestige thing. There's, I mean, he's it, he's got it. Like there's, unless you want to be Mark Emmert, like I don't know what else he needs to do. So I, I think he's got a great situation. I mean, you mentioned his relationship, um, you know, with Dr. Christina Johnson. That That is such a vital relationship and we've seen that uh over the years you know with you know karen holbrook and andy geiger and and how those things have kind of played off each other and when you've got a team that's kind of working in concert like what's going on right now um i just i don't know how you leave that so right yeah i mean it's everything is going really well for him and his legacy i mean he's barring any like you know we've talked about scandals and things and there's some people who really don't like gene smith and i i think that's silly and absurd for a it, number of it, reasons it's
1: not silly it's dumb it is it yeah. is it's very dumb and i don't normally like to you know tell people their opinions are dumb you know opinions are like ears everybody's got one and generally nobody <laughs> cares about the other persons yeah. I, I you know i but in this case like the only reason that i think people even have a whiff of a quibble is is the handling of you know the, the the do we impose a bowl ban or not and sure. you know how that was handled but at the end of the day i think you had gene smith and gordon gee at that time the two most well-connected men in college sports like they were both on if as i recall um dr gee was on some ncaa commission or or board or another and and gene was as well i mean hell he's been on the ncaa basketball selection committee he'd been on the playoff committee you know he's he's super well connected within the upper echelon of ncaa not not just leadership but the other athletic directors and university presidents and so on and Mm -hmm. so if they were hearing that hey look you know it's fine it's fine it's fine i think they made their their decisions in that situation based on what The information they had, right? And so, how can you how can you fault them for making the best decision that they thought based on the information they had? And then, hey, you know, there's a swerve here, a plot twist, and that's not. How How dare they
0: not uh, anticipate that Urban Meyer would go 12 and 0 in his first?
1: (laughs) Yeah, right, right. That too. That too. It's absurd. The whole thing's absurd. Yeah, it is. It is. It is absurd. And and so that's like, but but I come back to like, look guy you know has now hired er- urban meyer and ryan day uh h- hires chris holtman uh, h- hires tom ryan i mean he's hired all these and that's not to mention the other non-revenue sports and as i right. said those non-rev sports have, have won umpteen national titles mm-hmm. uh you know I think, look, look what's been done with facilities you know andy, right. geiger, andy geiger left him in a very good situation facilities wise but i i would say over the past 20 years it's it's only gotten better uh you know it's not like all of a sudden you're looking to say gosh this place is a dump no it's we have the best facilities in the country look at the new shoemaker center the Cavelli, the jennings and so on like it's i I don't know what you pick to say well he's good at this but no there is no but there is no but
0: right and and the thing is is that with i mean we want to talk about legacies and when i find that really interesting because a lot of it is connected to building and construction and whatnot i mean that that's obviously i mean i think when people look back and and see what gene smith did it's going to be about hiring and and who he was able to bring in and all that kind of stuff that that will be the main narrative but it it feels like you know if andy Geiger's um you know key contribution was maybe like okay you got jim trestle and then you've got the shot um I just feel like Gene Smith's, what he was able to accomplish, what he's been able to accomplish, and what he will be able to accomplish. I mean, the guy's got a lot of years left in him. Uh, I mean, he's going to have a pretty incredible resume. And, um, you know, whatever quibbles you might want to take with how he handled certain things. And, and look, I'm not saying he's free from criticism. There are definitely, I think, legitimate things you can say, okay, this is something that he should have done better with. But overall, I I mean, he is – probably the most consequential athletic director in Ohio state's history at this point, in my opinion, I I really don't know how you argue that given the transition that the conference has made, the different things that Ohio state has had to do the fact that we're going to have name image and likeness coming in. I mean, it's just, there's so much that he's going to have to handle and deal with. And it's, it's kind of amazing to see, um, you know, him do what he's been doing. The the other,
1: the other part of it, I would say, you know, not, not only that, but, but for people who, who want to, pick nits and quibble and gripe you know who would you rather have doing it you know look right. around the country at the other big time ad's and 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 oh by the way let's add another dimension to his his legacy resume is look at the number of people who have come up through his coaching tree so to speak mm-hmm. you know look at there, you know you could rattle all four or five names right off the top of your head of people who've come through the program as an assistant associate you know junior ad at ohio state under gene smith and are now leading their own program somewhere else right Right. um uh, you know uh, pat June comes to mind as, a, as an obvious example i mean there's a boatload of them right and uh, uh and, and you and very recently um have one leaving current staff to go take on the you know, director of football uh opera vice president of football operation came or what the exact assistant commissioner of football um for the big 10 conference even right you know like so that's the other part of it is the number of people that gene has has groomed and taught and then sent out into the world to run their own programs successfully is pretty impressive you don't you don't do that if you're not you don't see that if you're not good at your job
0: right yeah i i absolutely agree with that um so the next phase of you know his career and what he's going to have to do to kind of lead ohio state athletics you know into the the 2020s here is you know what's going to be going down tomorrow and again as of this recording so when this publishes on tuesday well that'll be yesterday but uh, Monday at at one um, at the Cavelli Center, which again, you know, kind of like maybe maybe Gene Smith, you know, doing a little bit of flex there. I appreciate that uh, with uh, State Senator Naraj Antani from Miamisburg. Um, the the press release from Antion's staff, uh, their media their media press release was uh, basically just saying major legislation regarding college athletics, and that that was kind of the only details that was given about this, but. I think that we can make a pretty good assumption that that's going to be name, image, and likeness. Um, by the way, side note, I, I think it's interesting that Antony is uh, on the select committee on gaming. That's maybe just something to think about. But... Um, <laughs> yeah i am just i'm saying i it would be naive to, to believe these things are not are at least a little bit connected i had not um, caught that little piece of
1: trivia so yeah. good
0: good good eye <laughs> yeah i find that interesting that's on the the head of their uh their release but um so that will be that will be done uh in conjunction with gene smith and i assume that ohio state or rather the state of ohio will join a number of states that are introducing uh nil legislation that will hopefully be enacted relatively soon. What the biggest thing about this to me, I mean this is not a shock. And, and the only thing that's surprising about any of this is just the fact that it hasn't happened more quickly mm. because you've got the seventh largest state in the country in terms of population, a really high per capita um just collegiate, you know, population in the state of Ohio. We've got a lot of major colleges and universities which, you know, comes with it a lot of major athletic departments. And I'm a little surprised it hasn't gotten the ball moving um, a little bit more quickly. And and maybe the state of Ohio is waiting for national guidance or the NCAA, but they're running out of time. They got a month and a month and a week, basically. And once that stuff starts to kick in, uh, all hell is going to break loose without any kind of NCAA guidance. The NCAA, for their part, by the way, has said that they want to talk in late June. So literally like a week before all this starts to, you know, go into effect to try to give some kind of guidance or ideas about what that looks like. Um, And in some ways, Andy, this kind of mirrors how all this COVID stuff went down, where it's like, let's just keep, let's just keep delaying the inevitable. Just trying to like hope that it all, all works itself out. We'll just hide in a closet under a pile of coats and hope it just all works itself out. And it's not going to, you got to make plans. You got to have, you know, a, you know, legislation in mind about how to handle all of this because it's going to happen. Um, and I am very curious to see a how the state of Ohio decides they want to handle this, but really how the NCAA is going to attempt to wrangle all of this going down because i don't think they're at all prepared for how to to manage this stuff
1: i mean you described it well it's it, it, it's that hey if we just if we just wait it out maybe it'll go away if we, yeah. if, we if we just don't do anything long <laughs> maybe enough maybe people, people stop
0: wanting to make money off of their name image and likeness
1: maybe, maybe fans <laughs> will stop caring about this you know maybe maybe we can go back to the halcyon days when nobody cared if the help made right. any money you know like that's uh, that's so on brand for the <laughs> ncaa it and, is it really uh, is and the they, they're hoping that the ghost of red
0: that. grange will like you know <laughs> yeah. come come down to ohio state or whatever and like, hey seven banks I know, I know you're like number one in all these freaking draft mocks but if you really would just do it for the love of the game that would be great that would be yeah. super awesome
1: amateurism for the win yeah yeah
0: it's um, that that's
1: exactly where right. i mean your your analogy with the the covet debacle is it, i mean it's so spot on that uh, that, that was one where, you know, I go back to that and say NCAA just, you know, was a failure, uh, of leadership as was the big 10 they needed. That's where you needed a, a commissioner of college football. And, 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 this is a place where, Hey, you know what? The NCAA should be stepping up to, to yeah, of get something, but the States are, are going to force their hand. I mean, they, let's face it. If these States were not doing an IL legislation, the NCAA wouldn't be moving as fast as they are. And God oh, knows the way they're moving is not, they're moving at about half the speed of smell and yeah. that's, you know, not, it's not going to cut it. So yeah, the fact that they're going to have this meeting uh, so close, but you know, the good news back to Gene Smith's comments on uh, the real pod Wednesday's podcast is that he thinks that it's going to get done. And, and so I, I don't think yeah. he would be saying that on the record if he didn't have some idea, of what a whip count might look like um so you know the the press release saying that they're expected to expected to act on legislative proposals (laughs) i love i love press release language you know expected to act doesn't really say how they're going to act they may act by saying yeah we're gonna (laughs) but yeah they're i think gene smith saying i think it's going to get done means it's likely they're going to do do something and you know, this is probably one of those things where you hate to see Congress get involved, but, you know, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's a question is, okay, is there, does there need to be some legislative remedy so you don't have this patchwork of California's going to do it this way, Ohio's going to do it this way? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, to me, I will be really curious to see what that mechanism looks like if, if it takes that. Uh, but there's got to be a lot of behind-the-scenes conversation going on right now.
0: Well, that's, that's the other thing, though, because, I mean, we've seen former Ohio State player and, and one-time Dubcast guest, uh, Anthony Gonzalez, right? Like Congressman Anthony Gonzalez uh, attempt to get the ball rolling on this. There's been numerous abortive tempt, attempts in Congress, National Congress, to you know do some kind of nil type stuff Mm -hmm. and it's just it's it's been in fits and starts and it really is interesting how the states have had kind of to push this because nobody seems to want to really reckon with how it might change i don't want to say the reality because i i I don't i think the reality is that it's you know free agency you know (laughs) even players honestly profiting off the name image and likeness this is not some kind of new thing that everybody's going to be blindsided by. I think there's, there's plenty of people who are very ready for this, mm-hmm. uh, just not in administrative positions. Um, yeah.
1: Everybody, within, everybody, yeah, but the administrator, exactly. Are like
0: the players, the athletes are totally ready for this. I, frankly, the coaches, the, the actual programs are ready for this, but the NCAA itself, I, I, you know, whoever's trying to, I guess, monitor this or regulate this. They're not ready. And I don't know, man. It, it's the thing about all of this is that it doesn't require this huge paradigm shift in how college athletics is regulated or, I guess, maybe monitored. I, I really think the apparatus is roughly in place for that to take place. The, the, what really has to happen. Is a shift in how people think about college athletics. That's the problem. People don't want to stop thinking about college athletics in the um, prism of, of amateurism, which has been in place and you know has not really been the reality for a very long time. But so many people want to believe that they want to believe in that old school win one for the gipper amateurism, that again does not exist anymore. But because people want it to happen, they're sticking their heads in the sand about the reality of the situation that's coming up on us in like four weeks. So like, that's the problem. You, you, you cannot ignore reality forever. And look, as much as I would love to have this, you know, I don't know, this, this utopian world where everybody just plays for love, the game, blah, blah, blah. I, there, people are going to want to make money off their name, image, and likeness as anyone else would if you had the opportunity. And, um, you know, in a state where we're all going to win a million dollars for getting vaccinated, I think it's fair that people who are putting their actual health on the line, right, who are actually doing things that could injure themselves and be a detriment to their health could make some money doing that uh, if it's for our entertainment. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's just, it's wild to me that people might be hesitant about this because it's already here. I mean, you can't with the transfer portal and and all the things that are set up in terms of social media and how athletes are poised to take advantage of that. You got to be ready. They got to be ready because otherwise it's just going to be a huge mess.
1: Well, and I think that's, I I mean, I do think that's part of the problem. I sort of empathize with particularly the individual universities uh, that I, and, and Gene said when he was talking to Dan and Colin, you know, that there's, there's a certain amount of patience, you know, they're, they they do not want to get too far ahead of themselves until they know exactly what is going to be expected of them from, sure. Hey, you know, NCAA, let's get to move on this. Uh, but you know, there are schools out there who are already priming the pump to, course, yeah. to take advantage of this and, and try to sell to their recruits. Hey, you're going to be able to make more money. Cause that's the, that's the uh, next dimension of this, right. Is you're saying to recruit a, hey, you know, top recruit at this position, whatever it is you're going to be able to make more money here than you are and i think that's part of the reason at least from a fan standpoint and this that those who cling to what's left of amateurism like that's a that's one of those things that we all laugh about the bag men. We know that the bag men are out there. Mm. Uh, you know, the, the basketball side of things, <laughs> the, 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 uh, not so well-kept secret is that a lot of these big name blue chip schools have been playing fast and loose with shoe money for a long, long time. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we, we can joke about, you know, Georgia, some of the other SEC programs and oh, this commit, certainly this transfer suddenly went here instead of there. Hmm. What could have changed, you know? So now it's going to be out in the open. And and there's a part of me that says, you know what? That's, that's a good thing. Transparency is a good thing. The other part of me is like, uh, you know, I do sort of lament the idea. And that's what I'll say. The idea of amateurism, because it hasn't been it hasn't been that pure for a long, long time. Right. I think Has it ever been that, that way though? Like, I, that's I, I don't know. I, I, like you know, how
0: far back do we like SMU was like the early eighties, right? Like, well,
1: okay, sure. But you know, I guess what I'm saying is like, it wasn't, it wasn't that it wasn't always that way, but you're right. You're right. I mean, in your lifetime and mine, <laughs> that's what I'm saying <laughs> Yeah, in, in your lifetime and mine, <laughs> that's true. But I do, but I do want to say, I, I get those who long for the ideal. If you will, you know, and it's, yeah. and it's, but, but, you know, you have to, you have to live in the world that is not the one that you wish was, right? And with that in mind, you know, it's, hey, let's, let's make it. It's what I say about a lot of things, you know. Legalize it, regulate it, tax it, you know. That's yeah. that, that and bring it out in the open, and, and figure out, you know, how to make it work so that it works for everybody instead of the ones who are able to be the shadiest with the bagman, you know. So right. then, if Ohio State can can say in the open, look you're going to be able to make a lot more money here because look at our marketing system you know and ohio state already does a great job of marketing its athletes and helping them build their brands and all the you know the real life wednesday stuff that they do and, and what helping people know how to market themselves mm-hmm. at the next level like mm-hmm. that's all that's all you know this nil stuff will benefit a team a program like ohio state uh, as much or more so than it will anyone. Um, right. Oh, you of know, course. I don't know how I'd feel about this if I were a fan of Ball State University or you know <laughs> any one of another. You know, and, and I'm just I'm picking random schools. Like I don't know how I'd feel about it if I Get was David a fan Letterman
0: of, to to juicy up on social media. Well,
1: but see, there's your. I mean, you make a great point. Like just because we laugh about that, right. you know, there's there, there's big money donors everywhere. Right? right. It's just so. Is there a mechanism for them? to 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 exploit that in a way that is not exploitative
0: i guess we're yeah. gonna take and the exploitation about that. out of it yeah and i wrote about that a couple of weeks ago with alabama you know they got they, they literally have a, a name for what they're doing called the advantage which is literally just them kind of promoting um how they can get you know their incoming players to capitalize on their own brands yeah and you know and not so many words it's like look we can make you a ton of money because this is alabama and you know we we can You know, get you a lot of likes. We can get you a lot of social media engagements, and of course, you know, Ohio State is is clearly no slouch in that. If you look at some of the numbers in terms of like social media engagements, Ohio State destroys every other everyone else, every other college program. Um, It's not even close. They just absolutely dominate um, social media and things like that, and and that's a huge way that people are making money. Um, The the last thing I guess I kind of want to say about this is like in in a macro sense and this is something that I don't know, this is what bothers me because kind of going back to the idea of, of amateurism and, and what, you know, we like and all that kind of stuff. Like, I just want our choices that we make in terms of regulation, in terms of legislation, all that kind of stuff, just to reflect reality. And I don't want those choices to be based on, a fiction that never really existed i mean like you know people talk about like i don't know how far back you want to go uh, john wooden right john wooden one of the most mm-hmm. beloved figures in college athletics ever was they were funneling money into that program to pay for players for decades yeah. like that is a acknowledged well-known fact of what was going on at ucla and we kind of sidestep that because we want to believe in you know the wizard westwood all that stuff and which is great i mean still a fantastic human being i'm not saying that i'm not trying to denigrate john what i think was a fantastic coach excellent human all that stuff but there was still that going on in the background right and we have to acknowledge that and i guess what i'm saying is, is are we going to and if you look at like Georgia's legislation for example an nil where they're essentially giving uh universities the ability to like take two or what like three-fourths of the potential earnings that an athlete might have and then distribute it like that's great but like it just to me it feels like they nobody is really willing maybe not nobody but a lot of people aren't even if they're easing themselves into it, right. They're dipping their toe into the pool. They're, they're sliding in to try to get ready, you know, used to the temperature of the water. A lot of people still don't want to acknowledge what's really happening. And um, I don't know. I I would rather see the NCAA and the state of Ohio be aggressive than cautious on this because people are going to be aggressive no matter what. And if you want to set up some kind of system and apparatus to handle this, you've got to, basically think that it's going to be as crazy as i expect it to be Mm -hmm. Um, because it's going to be the wild west and the sheriff in the wild west got to have a pretty big gun you know what i mean like you got to be able to if you want to regulate this if you truly want to regulate this and not just let it go wherever then you better be prepared for any and all avenues of income that students might want to um to to gain and and as they should they should be you know able to do that
1: don't need a big gun they need the soldering iron of justice
0: yeah exactly (laughs)
1: only only, right. only jack Handy fans will get that, that there reference,
0: you go but. um no that's fantastic i always I always love a good jack candy yeah, reference um so that's that's basically what's going down We' i'm excited to see how it works out and what it looks like um you know obviously there's next few days should be very interesting the next few weeks should be very interesting and uh you know as as we said you know gene smith taking a leadership role in this and does not have to be a commissioner right like that guy but he you know when he he says there's stuff going down there's stuff going down and, and the nation will pay attention so i think that's pretty cool um we want to remind you that the dubcast is sponsored by the dry goods store at 11warriors.com uh, drygoods.11warriors.com shirts hats stickers all kinds of great stuff i recommend that you check it out and if it's time for our, our ad drop that means it's also time for ask us anything um that's part so of you the can show him- every week oh yeah every week and it's it's so great i love it every week every time we get to do it i love answering these questions uh you can send us questions to dubcast at 11 warriors.com And our good friend Alvin, actually, it's funny because we record this, as I said, on Sundays. Alvin uh, sent in a question shortly after we recorded about the crew rebrand. We kind of discussed that last week, um, which is funny because a lot of people are like, oh, Ohio State doesn't need to rebrand. I'm not saying a hard rebrand. I'm not saying Ohio State should be like the Bucks and then like go for the original colors they were suggesting, right? Like, you know, do the orange and black that they were originally thinking. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying... And, and by the way, a couple uh, a couple of my loyal followers on Twitter, thank you so much, guys, uh, decided to acknowledge that I am correct about this. I hate the text logo. Just go straight, block O, Buckeye Leaves, Buckeye Nut. It's classic. It's awesome. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Don't go any further than that. But yeah. Alvin, thank you for asking uh, that question about the crew rebrand um i i think the logo is kind of crappy frankly i still i they improved it somewhat but it's still like man No,
1: see i i think if they had rolled out this version first you know oh, yeah, not, there'd be a lot I, less blow black blow you know, pe- i mean people still would not like that they were trying to you know hide the name the crew under a bushel basket but yeah the the, the new crest would be fine i still think they could have done this as sort of an alternate crest like i think sure. you could do more than one and it would be fine instead of for some reason i didn't realize that people had that much attachment to the circular logo which is good it's a good logo mm-hmm. it's fine yeah i think it's but good, but it's i good. think the new version is really nice putting the putting the 96 down there in that negative space that we talked about that that was a good move
0: well their new you know the new unis are gonna have to be bangers like they you know you know what i mean like yeah. uh, people will people will be okay with it if the new if unis the kids look, look good. really good um so they'll have to they'll have to nail that aspect of it and i know everybody's still excited about the stadium opening obviously because that's i mean
1: it's gonna that's be amazing gonna
0: be sick um you know part of me was like oh it'd be really sweet to be able to go out there and check out a game but I'm, I'm sure that's gonna be a pipe dream until like october so we'll see um just in terms of trying to get a ticket um so this next question we have here is from scott from the 503 uh, who wants to know, uh, gentlemen, if you had a time machine, how far back could you go and still live a comfortable life? And there's a couple of ways you can approach that, Andy. There, so one would be, what are your inherent skills that would allow you to live comfortably in a time period in the past versus what kind of amenities and you know comforts do you need to have as a human being that you wouldn't want to give up, depending on how far back you'd go?
1: you know it's a it's a funny thing because i often joke that i i think uh in a former life you know i was a member of the aristocracy because uh-huh. i just have these little little quirks where
0: you're talking about king ralph well we, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, right well, yes
1: yes i love the movie king ralph one of my I can, favorite i can
0: envision not... you i can envision you uh king oh. louis the 14th court yeah hilarious up your feet. I...
1: I, I, yeah, if and, and friends, if you haven't watched King Ralph in twenty years, uh, go go stream that somewhere because John Goodman, uh, playing Good Golly Miss Molly on the harpsichord is just something that you need to watch every every ten to twelve years. Yeah, it's, just it's it's fun. John Goodman is uh, a national treasure anyway, and so most John Goodman movies are are worth watching again. But that one is just always had a special place in my heart i'm not saying it's a classic of american cinema or anything but it's it's a fun film that i fun. quite enjoyed i love that peter o'toole one of the greatest actors of all time yeah. i love some of the goofy ass cameos <laughs> that peter o'toole had in
0: his later years was a lot of movies
1: yeah abs- well i mean you could say that too I, I mean i guess maybe if you're british and and you've already gotten knighted that you can just say bugger all and do whatever you want because look <laughs> at you know another one of one of my favorites um is, is sir anthony uh, hopkins right He's oh yeah a fantastic actor i mean a great classically trained actor right and can play anything and he just decides in his later years to say hell with it i'm gonna play odin because who doesn't want to play yeah, odin, you why know? The hell not so, why not you know but but there was a generation of those actors that you would not do a superhero movie if you are a classically trained shakespearean british but I, I just I, I love it. I, I love it. It's great. Anyway, so yeah, Peter O'Toole as Cedric the 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 butler who ends up being King Cedric, you know, later on <laughs> is just is hilarious to me. And he plays it you know pitch perfect because he's peter O'Freaking freaking tool right he, he yeah. can't do anything anyway great movie thank you for that little reference but i joke sometimes that i think i was born in, you know into the aristocracy at a former life uh just because there's little things that will annoy me and and the stunning mrs vance would be like god you're such a snob you know about something or you know <laughs> and i'm like yeah like clearly or i just i have a taste for the finer things in life you know i like i like good scotch uh you know i like uh, I don't know. I like my dogs, you know, so I could have been a a man of leisure with his pack of hounds and you know and at a country estate cause of course, I'm a farm boy at heart, so I picture sure. myself you know out on some some rolling estate, but that's the rub, see, you go back to like I like historical fiction, so you read a book series like let's say outlander, for example, which granted i'm I'm uh you know th- that book was not written for the male of the species that was, that was written for the women, clearly, but the you, the descriptions of you know, growing, you know, b- being being the laird of the clan, and uh, you know having your castle, or if you were you were a member of the colonial aristocracy here on this side of the pond, right? Uh, I love Monticello, so I love thinking of myself as like a Thomas Jefferson type with his estate and his hounds, and and his acres and acres of tobacco or whatever other crops he was growing. Well, on. because my joke, yeah, I know, I know, I know, this, I know. The problem is, I know, I know, I know. The problem I know. is, Andy this is like those those crops that grow themselves Yeah, yeah. i i hear you i hear you and so there's the problem because what i always tell people when i when i make my comment about uh my ideal house like if i'm going to build my dream house someday i want it to be monticello with bigger bathrooms and Mm. wi-fi so so there's the problem like the farther back you go the the more up the further up the food chain you've got to be To be able to live as comfortably as you and i live now correct like you and i are average joes and we can live pretty comfortably as average joes in columbus ohio got a
0: house you know
1: i i got a house i got got my dog you know my my kid has plenty of food in her belly she's going to a good school you know i've got a degree from a great university we're relatively well educated and 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 well off uh compared to you know people who are at our same strata of society a hundred years ago like well not even you don't have to go back that far right sure like if you were at the same strata where we were but but progress you know it's so it's really hard that's this is a great deep question no, i think
0: because- that's an ex andy i think that is an excellent observation on your part right like that to do it to attain the same kind of level of comfortability and in some of these like you know far off times of yore right like Mm -hmm. it's it relies on incredibly exploitative and evil in some cases practices like slavery or being a robber baron or something like that like that that's kind of wild to think about is is that's the that's the level of like horrific impropriety that you have to stoop to just so that you can like live the same way that we might today
1: well but but take it the other way too so the or you know if you're not further up that that ladder so to speak i look at like my grandparents as an example so we'll just go back to you know they're raising five kids in the 50s mm-hmm. uh, on a 130 acre farm, which is not large at all. I mean, it sounds like a lot if you live on a half acre uh, in town, like we do, you know, you know, a small city lot or something along the say, Oh, 130 acres. That's huge. Not, not really, you know, in the grand scheme of things, agriculturally, but I always talk about Grandma and Grandpa Vance raised five kids on 130 acres. Um, Grandma didn't have an off-farm job until her kids were all like in high school and she started driving a school bus. Uh, so, but they didn't have any, any new farm equipment or any new vehicles. They would, um, in fact, a lot of times they would take, you know, if they were taking some cabs to town to sell at the stockyards, they would take them in the back of this like 1963 chevy impala you know yeah. so you've got like mom and dad in the front and a kid in the back holding a couple of sheep in the back seat of this impala that was made out of i think cast iron and so you know you, but grandma made the girls clothes you know she, she sewed their their dresses sure. dad remembers talking about you know they're watching tv on saturday night and their treat was like a dixie cup full of pepsi cola and like mm-hmm. six potato chips, you know, you like that was a big treat, you know. Where, yep. you know, hell, we've all got a big gulp and a you know giant bag of of bring you know of, of of Lay's potato chips any anytime you want it, you know. So right. they they didn't have a whole lot, but if you just looked at and say, oh well, they were big landowners, you know. Like when you're talking about something, so you had to work a lot harder. That's mm-hmm. why that's why those farmers had five and six kids because it oh, was yeah of course free labor right? in the land. Yeah right right so you know you didn't have to hire hands you had kids and so that's that's the other part of it if you're not farther up that that socioeconomic strata yeah you just have to have a, you have to work a lot harder and have a lot more kids
0: i mean on my dad's side my grandparents were sharecroppers yeah 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 I, so i mean you get you get yeah, what we're talking about my I mean, grandma was one of 11 kids like yeah that's, ab- absolutely you know.
1: absolutely and that's and that's the the, the difference of I, I go back and i'm like because when i first started in agriculture radio people would gripe about big farms and they would yeah. really, you know, you got to do something about these big farms and I'd say, well, here's what you have to understand. If a dairy farmer in the state of Ohio has 500 cows, he's probably calculated that that's how many cows it takes for him to be able to feed his wife and kids. Mm-hmm. And he probably doesn't have 10 kids anymore. Like you're talking about there right. in that generation, he might have two or three kids, but, but what has changed in the years since my grandparents were farming and now isn't that you can't make money farming anymore that has that that's not true what has changed is think about our standard of living it's not even right. so much the cost of living that's that's kept with inflation with the exception of housing and cost of automobiles those two things have changed but if you price out the cost of food if you price out milk bread eggs if you price out any of your basic needs They've all held pretty well with inflation. If you go back to to, to grandparents, the biggest changes, yeah.
0: Housing has gotten crazy and like, you know, cost of education, all that kind of stuff. But
1: here's what I say about housing. Think about, so the house I grew up in, okay. Now we're just talking 35 years ago, not, Mm. not 50, 60, 70, the house that mom and dad built in 86 for, you know, 40 grand or something like that was a, you know, 12, 13, 1400 square foot ranch. Mm -hmm. you know 10 by 10 bedrooms it was not a big house but it was big enough for a family of four nice home very nice home but i tell people like we didn't have uh we didn't have a furnace or air conditioning until i was in high school we had Mm -hmm. we had a wood-burning stove and we went and cut wood every week uh every every week during the winter you know we were out in the woods cutting fire because that's how we heated the house we had ceiling fans instead of air conditioning you opened the windows but you know what else that grandma and grandpa didn't have they didn't have cell phones cable television you know they would have never paid to watch television they were
0: nuts so then let me ask you that andy like to what point are you willing to give that up would you be willing to go back to the you know i don't know like even the 70s as early as that I often, I often threaten here, uh,
1: you know, because we have an eight year old daughter and the little tyke does, does watch some television and Mm -hmm. she enjoys television and, you know, and, and the stunning Mrs. Vance and I, you know, when we get done recording this, we'll probably go and watch something on the DVR and, and that's fine. But sure. I, I don't need television. I, I read a lot, which we all three do. So this is not, I'm not different from the stunning Mrs. Vance or the little tyke in that Yeah, we're, we're all voracious readers. But if I, I didn't have a television now, I, I don't think I could do without the, the computer and the internet. You now, some of that I say is because of the jobs that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm extremely online <laughs> in that, <laughs> in yeah. that regard. Um, but i often threaten to do away with the television um and and of course you know i'm re- re- brutally rebuffed on that by the rest <laughs> of the household uh, not a I,
0: popular suggestion i take but,
1: it but, but i will i will put it this way i think the amount of money that we spend with ATT each month for oh, cell phone cable and and uh and and yeah cell phone cable i don't and even television. want to get into
0: that i'm so well, angry about w- my
1: well, well what I, and i'm not blaming at t for this by the way because it we could be talking about you know, charter spectrum, uh, we can be charging, talking about Verizon, you know, any of your companies, we just happen to do business with with Ma Bell. And, but, but I say the amount of money we spend for those three utilities, so to speak is more than my parents' first mortgage when they bought their first house together. Right. Right. And, and, and that's, so that's when people come to me and say, you can't make money farming anymore. It's so what hasn't changed, our cost of living hasn't changed. Our standard of living has changed. Yeah. We all carry, 14 hundred dollar cell phones in our pocket right i mean mm-hmm. i bought my first i bought my first computer um well mom and dad bought the first computer it was a tandy from radio shack they paid what would they pay
0: for that tandy you know like, I mean, I, well that that would be interesting i'm actually curious what because inflation's interesting with some of those things because some of those early i don't know if that's necessarily an early adopter kind of thing but like if you look at the equivalent to like what Dell, like a Dell in the nineties was selling for that. Some of those, those tower PCs were selling for the equivalent of like 3,500 bucks a day. Like they're, they were not cheap machines. Some of these things like, they, and, and part of it's because that's like kind of why I think what this question is asking about, right? Like that, right. that's what people want. They want that new thing. And to your point, right? Like we've got the cell phones, we've got like, you know, the, the devices that are connected to the internet at all times and wireless and all that kind of stuff. I like, I will say, and I think about this a lot with my students is that like, I'm amazed they get anything done ever. And, yeah. and, and I think that, and I think that kids today have developed, you know, kind of coping techniques and, and figured out that, okay, like they can put things aside, right? Like if they got their phone or whatever, to get stuff done, like I, I'm not mm-hmm. like hating on kids. That's not my point with this right. is that they're better equipped to handle constant connectivity than I think I would be if you if you transported 10 year old or 12 year old Johnny from the 90s Mm -hmm. into 2021 he would be so overwhelmed by what was available to him that I don't think I would ever read a book or do anything productive because I don't know that I would be able to handle that much content and so I think about that a lot because my childhood didn't you know we had cable which was nice because my dad you know teaches or taught communications broadcasting and that was a big part of what he did is he would analyze television and get ideas and all that kind of stuff but we didn't have the internet or a computer till i was a little bit older and um i'm honestly kind of grateful for that because yeah i developed a love for reading and research and stuff like that because that's all i had to do <laughs> like there, there weren't a whole lot of other options at a certain point uh for a curious kid like you go to the library use the card catalog you get 20 books and you read them and that's yes. all i could do and and i will say that there is probably a period of time that i think i could be comfortable in from like maybe the early 80s <laughs> i'm not gonna go any further back than that because i don't want to <laughs> die in a horrific car crash in a car that doesn't have seat belts or right. not get a vaccine for polio or something like that but i do think that i would be okay in a time period between maybe the mid 70s early 80s and on where I think I could be comfortable but honestly like I like information I like having quick access to information and that's not something I think I would be able to give up I I like the I like the the necessity of doing my own kind of research and having to like put in that kind of work and understand that but I also think I would be incredibly frustrated by like having to find out information weeks after the fact or uh, have to rely on the radio or all that, that would drive me nuts. I don't think I could do that. Yeah. Um, and there are
1: so many of those things that you, you, you know, you don't even think about, like I, we, we tend to romanticize yesteryear, you know, a, a lot. Mm. I mean, we, we romanticize a lot of things, just it's nature of, of being human. But you, when you, you hear people say, Oh, you know, I'd have been better off in whatever era of time. Right. And and you just over, you look at the positives, you know, like, oh, I would like this and this and this without thinking about the negatives, like, uh, you might die of polio as, as, I mean, that's a great example. Uh, but you know, not, not just that, like you and I would probably be okay because we're, you know, big white guys. But well, right, what if, exactly. What if you know we're we, we're answering this question as a woman or a person of color? Or right, there's a exactly. lot of there's a lot of other factors in that that you'd say. Well, I'd probably be okay in a variety of different times, but maybe
0: not. But maybe yeah, not. that's a great, that's an excellent point too. Like it, it is all about your personal situation, and maybe you know if you're a person of color, maybe you don't want to go back during like segregate Like you know, and that's the thing. Like we do tend to romanticize a lot of the time the past and. I think maybe a better approach is try to make the present better (laughs) instead of, instead of hoping that we can go back to some past that may or may not have existed. That's a Um, good,
1: that's a good note to end that discussion on my friend. I love that optimistic. I mean, that's a make the, make the present better. I, I like that. That's yeah. That's a good call to arms, my friend. Well, well said.
0: Uh, thank you. Um, and thanks for the question as well. That was a fantastic question. Very thought provoking. And of course, you know, it us anything. We love the thought provoking questions. So keep sending those in, uh, particularly in the long uh, off season of the soul that we will be going through uh, for the next few months here um and and we'll continue answering them and and obviously continue paying attention to what's going on with nil and all that stuff i'm like i said i'm super excited to see what happens on monday and and what that looks like and of course next week we'll be back to break that down and, and talk all about it so until then i'm johnny i'm andy and we'll see you then